our series Extreme Makeover God Edition uh, that we started last week. And uh, if you turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, we're going to go to day 2. But just as a reminder, last week we talked a little bit about how God begins a work. We saw in, in, uh, in, verse, in those first several verses the condition of the earth was not good. That it had been created, but it was in bad shape. It was dark. It was without shape. It was without order. It was uh, empty of life. And it was full of darkness. And on the first day, God shone His light upon the earth. And the darkness had to flee. Amen? Darkness is basically... Dark, darkness doesn't exist, folks. It's just uh, being void of light. So when light comes into the picture, darkness is gone. So the reality of it is, is that we realized and connected that to our lives. The fact that when we don't know Christ, our lives are full of darkness. We're without order. We're empty of life. And uh, we just need Jesus to shine on that. And we saw the first step of Him taking a mess and turning it into a masterpiece. Uh, I'm a living proof of that. Throughout this series, we're using different testimonies. I told you I wouldn't repeat my testimony over and over and over what God did in my life. Uh, but we have others that we've recorded and are going to have up here. And obviously we'll have another one here in a little bit. But we're ready for day two. And let's read it together. Genesis chapter 1, verse 6. And God said, isn't that good anytime God says something? When God says that it has to happen, God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it, and it was so. God called the expanse sky, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. Just as a reminder, up to this point, the earth was still uh, without order. The earth was still uh, empty of life. And you know what, I, I, just, I just said life and I heard a little, hold on just a second. Speaking of life, Tanessa, would you just stand up and show that beautiful baby she just bringing to church, first time, gorgeous, little Benjamin. Didn't he look good, folks? Isn't that good? When God speaks life, He speaks life, doesn't He? So we're in this situation where the world is, is still covered with water, it's still void of life, and it's still uh, in, in some disorder. The only type of order that there is, as God said, that there was a dark, there was a day and night, and it made it the first day. So the supernatural light that's shining on the earth, because the sun's not made yet, the moon's not made, is Christ. So God does a powerful work that's hard for some of us to believe. Now, now here's what the scripture says. If you read it and look at it again, I'll kind of help you understand it. That there's water all over the earth and he takes the water and he separates it. Now there's still water on the earth, but he takes water and he puts it around the earth. And the expanse in between the two waters is called sky. What that means is, is that he took the water in about probably where our ozone layer is, whatever. There's, there's a circle of water around the earth. And in the middle, there's kind of a bubble. And it was called sky. Now, people will say, well, Pastor Bob, that's not true. There's no water up there. Of course not. We'll get to that in a little bit. The reality of it is, is what this did is it created, it created a, uh, a greenhouse effect, which everybody's always afraid of greenhouse. Oh, we can't have the greenhouse effect. Oh, no, that'd be awful. When God made it, it was a greenhouse effect. The earth was one temperature all the way around it. It didn't rain. It didn't snow. There weren't storms. There's proof of that in Scripture. It says very plainly that the garden, that it didn't rain on the garden. It was watered from rivers. And it also, a mist would come up in the evening and, and water everything. There was no rain on the earth. That's why everybody freaked out when Noah was building an ark. This is going to rain. What are you talking about? It's never rained before. What are you talking about? 
It's no rain. So it created this greenhouse effect. Everybody said, well, Pastor Bob, that's not true. Okay, then explain to me why people are finding fossils of tropical plants in places like Antarctica and, and other places that are frozen. Because the earth at one time, folks, was one temperature. And why is that? It was because of this. God separated the waters and he put what was in the middle called sky. Now, the word for sky, I have to come back up here and look at it because it's Hebrew and I don't speak Hebrew. Anybody else speak Hebrew in the house? Listen, to the, this word translated from Hebrew is called sky. I suppose there's some smart aleck. Who knows Hebrew? Of course. Put your hand down. The word is called something like shamayim because I don't know how to speak Hebrew. I don't know exactly. It can also not be just translated as sky, but atmosphere. So God took the water, separated them, and put an atmosphere in the middle. An atmosphere is something else. It's, it's referred to as a surrounding influence or environment. So on the second day of taking a mess and turning it into a masterpiece, God made an atmosphere. Now why would God take all of this and set it up and put an atmosphere in the middle. He put it in such a way that there's all the obvious elements that we need, oxygen, and you have carbon, you have nitrogen, you have all the things in the air, and they're encompassed inside this little bubble because he knows that life is going to be created. So God made an atmosphere to sustain life. It's, it's to sustain us. It's for provision. We got all the things we need to live, not only for us, but all the, the plants and animals that are going to come later that we're going to live off of. And also, He made it as a protection, as a covering. We're not exposed directly to UV rays, folks. And beyond that, our atmosphere protects us from just trash floating around in space, meteors and asteroids and things, that when they come into our atmosphere, the protection that God placed there for us burns them up. Isn't that cool that God would do that for us? He says on day one, I'm shining my light into their lives so they know and they see that there's a need. On day two, I'm going to create an atmosphere that's going to be conducive to bringing life and sustaining life. Folks, the only planet in this universe, and you can say, Pastor Bob, how do you know? Because you've not been out there. I know because I read the Word of God, and I know that the only planet that God spoke to that's recorded in the Word of God to sustain life is this one. Go look at all the others. There's all kinds of holes all over them from meteors and asteroids hitting them and everything else going on. And There's not the protection. There's not the covering. There's not life on the other planets. God spoke life into this one. You say, now why, why is this important? First, first of all, it's important because atmosphere, environmental influence predetermines what lives and dies. I'll say it again. Atmosphere, environmental influence predetermines what lives and dies. Now, a couple of five, I guess the first service, I asked April how long it's been. It's been five years. We, almost five years. We went out to Colorado Springs on a little um, anniversary getaway. We do that every five years, which means this year is a zero year, which means we get to go away together. It's 20. So we, we go away on fives and zeros, and we went to Colorado Springs, and as I'm going up the side of the mountains and checking things out, you get up high enough you're above what's called the tree line. And everything up there is pretty much dead, right? Well, it's because the atmosphere doesn't support life for most trees. You go down a little bit lower and you find the aspen. And the aspen's up there. You look at it and you think, how is this little bitty tree growing out the side of a rock? But it's, pretty, it's a pretty bad tree. You know, it's living up there and it's doing okay. But if you took the aspen and you took it down to a desert and you planted it in the desert, what would it do? 
It would die because it's not created for that atmosphere. It's in the atmosphere that it will grow. And just the same way as you take a cactus and you stick it up on the mountainside, it's probably not going to live, is it? God created an atmosphere. I'm going somewhere with this, folks. God created an atmosphere to sustain life, period. Human life, animal life, plant life, so on and so forth. And eventually we're going to get to this. It's going to make sense according to our spiritual life. But just a quick connection right here. What is the atmosphere of your home? What is it conducive to? Is it conducive to growing the fruit of the Spirit? Parents, if you live in a home and you've got children and your rules are do as I say, not as I do, you're going to reap and grow rebellion because that is the atmosphere that you've, you've developed in your home. True or false? Because the kid will hear what you're saying, look at what mom and dad are doing and say, that's a bunch of baloney. Who cares? These rules are stupid. I'm not going to follow them. I'm going to do whatever mom and dad's doing. Whatever we set, whatever example we establish in our home, in our life, whatever we do at our workplace, however we manage ourselves and handle ourselves, it's the atmosphere that we carry with ourselves that affects how and by what fruit we will carry through that situation. Some people would say, you're, you're crazy, Pastor Bob. There, there are different situations, different places that have different atmospheres to do different things. If you were to go to a certain place in Africa, I heard a man say that if he went, he went into Africa and they brought him these avocados, they were like this big. And he said, how in the world do you grow an avocado this big? And they said, it's the atmosphere. It's, it's, it's what we grow well here. That's what we're designed to do. Listen, folks, I can't take an orange seed and go out to Coffin's Brothers Orchard and take the orange seed and plant it in the ground and expect it to bring forth an orange harvest, can I? Because the atmosphere is not right for it. In the same way, if we have a home full of rage, full of unforgiveness, full of anger and violence or anything else, we can't expect to bring about uh, that in our children, something other than that in our children. That's what's going to come out, amen? In our spiritual walk, in our walk with who we are in Christ, when He shines into us like on that day one, with light and dark is separated, we realize our need for Him. Day two, something different has got to happen in our life. There's got to be a change of atmosphere of who we are. There's got to be a developmental change in our lives because if we maintain where we are, we have not changed. We've not become like Christ. The light has shown into us and we rejected it. There's got to be a change of atmosphere. We're going to go ahead and share our next testimony. Hi, my name is Tim Henderson. Uh, my wife and I got saved in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada in 1997. And um, God orchestrated a lot of things that when we got saved, we had really no idea of all the things God was doing until we had been saved a while. We were able to look back and see all these things that God had put in place and done for us. Uh, before we got saved, we were living in uh, Danville. And uh, the lifestyle that we were kind of involved in, I was smoking dope and drinking and things like that, doing a lot of things I wasn't supposed to do. And I got my wife involved in a lot of those things. Um, I got her smoking dope with us and hanging around with my friends, which were just a, a really bad crowd to be around. And uh, my wife and I were just talking the other day how this is the first Christmas that we've spent home since we left. And the last Christmas that we um, spent here before we left, um, I took her to a Christmas Eve party at my friend's and they had decorated the Christmas tree with uh, heroin needles and coke vials and empty beer cans and uh, fake little joints that they hung all over the tree and for Christmas presents we all handed out um, wrapped up bottles of booze to each other and that was our life that we were involved in. And um, 
our families didn't really want us to get married and uh, kind of had oppositions from all sides. But when we look back, we can just clearly see how God had just taken us out of that situation and just moved us completely away from it. And without that, I don't know if we'd have really ever made it, if we'd have got saved. And he took us to Las Vegas and planted us right next door to a, a Pentecostal Christian couple that were just saved to the back teeth. And um, I, I think I watched them a whole lot more than my wife did because I was just really curious, I guess. And um, after enough time passed watching them, I just, I talked to them and just started asking them questions and ended up going to a church service with them on Wednesday night. And uh, they pulled an altar call and I raised my hand. No, take that back. I didn't raise my hand, but after that was over, a brother came up and started talking to me and he kind of compelled me and I went down and, and I got saved. And uh, while I, after I was done praying, he, the guy that prayed with me leaned over and he said, you know, your wife is, is right behind you getting saved. And so when we left that place, I don't, I, I can't tell you what really transpired, but I knew something radical in me had changed. I knew that, that all I knew was I didn't want to cuss anymore. I didn't want to drink anymore. I didn't want to do all those things that I was doing before. I didn't really understand. I, I want to serve God. I just knew, you know what? I don't want to do those things anymore. And uh, my wife, I don't know if she really grasped or had the, the similar uh, experience in her life at that time. Uh, my wife has always kind of been the real supporting role in my life. Pretty much any stupid thing I ever wanted to do, she just kind of got right behind me, whatever you want. You know, she just kind of always had my back. And I think that she was just kind of, okay, if this is what you want to do, she was following along with me. But within two, three weeks, I started to see that same radical change in her, where she just really, she wanted to be in church. She wanted to serve God. She wanted to be clean, wanted to be right. And all these things that were just transpiring in the both of us. And we were going to church for about, I don't know, maybe a month, maybe two months, and I started to get, you know, the, the newness wore off and I started to get discouraged. You know, we're going and, and we were in a church service, in a revival service and a different pastor was preaching. And um, in the middle of that service, he stopped and he pointed at me and he called me out and he spoke a word to me. And to this day, I can't tell you what it was. But at that moment on, I never looked back. I, I never looked back. I wanted to serve God. That's all I wanted to do. And I didn't care what it took. And God uprooted us from, from that lifestyle and put us right in the midst of this, right where he wanted us to be. And within six months, I knew that I had a calling on my life, that I wanted to preach the, uh, I wanted to preach the word. And um, about 10 years later, God uprooted us again and sent us into Houston, Texas to start a church. And I can tell you that, that there is something nice about being in a church environment where you have lots of godly people around you, helping you, supporting you, fellowshipping with you. And all of a sudden we got uprooted again and we were all by ourselves. And uh, you find out very quickly what your prayer life is really like, um, what your relationship with God is really like when you're all by yourself. And um, I would say we were there for about three years and we, we didn't do really well. Um, we had few people coming, whatever. And so we ended up coming back to Vegas. And when we came back to Vegas, um, you know, a lot of people that fail come back with bad attitudes. We didn't. We were so glad to be back. We were just kissing the carpet, you know. And so it wasn't but a month or two that, that God just started putting us back in ministry. My wife was back in children's church, and uh, I was asked to start leading songs and things, and, and everything was going great, and, and I never wanted to leave. 
I never wanted to go back out and preach the gospel again. I just, I was happy. I was right where God wanted us to be. But something about God, at least from my own experience, is that he doesn't necessarily like it when we're comfortable. And uh, he kind of likes to poke at you a little bit and get you on edge. And so uh, we ended up coming back to visit our family. And we come back to visit our family at least once a year, once every two years, come back to visit our family, no big deal. But something struck a chord in my wife that she wanted to move back home. And the funny thing was, her wife had passed away years ago. She doesn't really have any family back here, so I couldn't really put my finger on why she felt so compelled to move here. And I felt it a little bit, but not nearly to the extent that she did, you know. And so we talked about it, and it, you know, it comes down to, you know, whatever mama wants, mama gets. So we're gonna move back home and we're gonna do this. But we sat down and we talked and I said, I said, honey, I can't do this if we end up in a situation like we did in Houston, where we're not in and around all these godly people to support us and we end up just drifting off track and, uh, and you know, our kids, I, biggest thing in the world, I can't lose my kids to sin. And so we talked about it and we prayed about it and I think she was a lot more serious than I was and praying about it and talking about it and began to seek the will of God and then the next thing you know, she's, you know, emailing me and telling me, you know, you got to check out this church. And when I went on to the website and I started listening to the sermons, I, I knew at that point, okay, God is orchestrating this. God, God has a plan and this is what God wants us to do. And so we agreed upon it and uh, we moved. You know, I listened to a couple of the sermons on there and I, I knew this is, this, this is the same spirit. This is the same God right here that we have right here. And, and this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to, to move. And so we, we uprooted once again and God has just taken us and put us here and put us there and moved us around. And I can tell you that, that every step of the way, I know that it has been God and it's been God's will. Uh, and I think that God has us exactly where he, he wants us to be. And sometimes, you know, you, you really question, why is God doing this? Why is God putting us here and moving us there and moving us there? But, but God has a plan. And, um, the Holy Spirit just comes in you and you just, you got to be willing inside to just say, okay, God, whatever you want. And uh, that's pretty much my testimony. And we're glad that that's Tim and Missy's testimony. We're glad you're here, guys. We love you and appreciate you. Some things that Tim said on there that really clicked with me is the fact that you know, God had to get him away from his lifestyle. I had to get him away from that circle of friends. And, and then God moved him to another place to teach him something else. And God moved him here. God is always doing a work in us. And it's through our atmosphere. He's got to change the atmosphere. Uh, so what I want to do to continue on this topic, God uses both spiritual and natural things to change our atmosphere. Obviously, in Tim's situation, he did some natural moves, some natural changes, but everything is connected together. We are spirit and we are flesh. We are natural and we are supernatural. We have an eternal soul wrapped up inside of this flesh, folks, that they're connected. And one affects the other and they work together. So a supernatural event first and foremost takes place in this change as we see in creation, the supernatural event occurs in day two. It just, we just heard it, how the atmosphere has changed. It's moved and the light's shining into it to begin with that. And since we are spiritual, God shines into our lives on day one when we come to the altar, when we repent, when that time when Tim and Missy were calling out to God, there's an instant work in his life where he says, there's got to be a change. 
There's got to be a change. When the light shines into your life, we have to step back. Listen, it's not just about quitting some things, folks. It's not just about quitting. It's about God saying, I want to do a work in you that is eternal. And for me to do this eternal work and for it to be sustained, you're going to have to change some things. Because what we do is when we come to Christ, it's because we've hated what we've been and we want to become the new creation that He's promised us that we can be. Amen? So natural things affect our atmosphere. After we we talk about this, I know you're going to understand when I say natural things affect our atmosphere. Natural things, atmosphere affects our flesh, folks. It does. And if you don't believe me, I can use a simple example like, say, Chuck E. Cheese. Chuck E. Cheese, it's the worst pizza you've ever had in your life. It's, it's nasty, doughy, gooey, little cheese on it, pathetic toppings. And the kids love it. Where do you want to eat? I want to eat a Chuck E. Cheese! Listen, it, little kids don't have taste buds. They love atmosphere. Amen? They love atmosphere. If you don't believe me, go to Disney World. Really, seriously, it's all about atmosphere. It was built in what? I mean, I think start like 72 or early 70s or something like that. Some of the rides haven't changed. And people still wait in line for 45 minutes to an hour and a half to get on a little cart that you squeeze into that jerks around on the rails. And you go from room to room and you look at fluorescent painted things and then you get out and you get off with the kid and you're going, what was that all about? And the kid's going, I love Disney World! atmosphere folks you get in the little boat 400 pound man in the boat and it's sitting like this it don't matter it's still on a rail and you go through it's a small world after all it's a small world after all. $80 I paid for this yeah. why atmosphere tell me atmosphere doesn't affect your flesh it does. Oh, man, go ahead and laugh. Say, oh, Disney, Disney World didn't affect me much, Pastor Bob. Uh-huh. Well, then why is it you always say, I don't know why a hot dog always tastes better at the ballpark. <laughs> Atmosphere. It's just a hot dog. It's just processed meat. It tastes better because it's been sitting there cooking in that hot thing for the last two hours. It's just atmosphere. And, that's, and atmosphere affects our flesh. If you don't believe me, walk into a church. Hopefully this, the presence of God that we felt today is the atmosphere of the presence of God affecting our flesh, hopefully to respond to Him. Amen? And if you disagree with that, walk into a bar. Tell me there's not atmosphere there. Atmosphere will affect our flesh. So, so the thing is, God wants to work an atmosphere in us. He wants to do, after we respond to Him at salvation, He's not finished. He wants to progress. He wants to change our atmosphere. I'm going to read something I read last week. Romans 10 says this in verse 8, But what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Now we talk about this verse. We look at it. And we talked about last night responding uh, to the light. Okay, We re- referred to the light of Christ shining into our lives. We must respond. And it shows it right here that if you, you, meaning you, me, us, whoever, confess with whose mouth? My mouth. 
The light, the atmosphere must affect my flesh to submit to Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. It says to confess with our mouth. It says to believe. Nobody can do that for me. I have to do that. When God spoke to the water and the elements, they separated because they're the elements, right? We talked about this last week. They're not made in His image. You and I are made in His image. We have a free will. We have the ability to choose. We can resist Him. We can respond to Him. He shines into our lights and we're given the option, with my mouth, am I going to confess you? Am I going to believe? Now that word believe comes from the Greek word pistuo, which means, it doesn't mean just like I believe in Santa Claus or I believe in the Easter Bunny or I believe it's almost 11.30. I believe, no, it's talking about everything you do, your belief system is founded upon this. What that means is, is because now that I'm a follower of Christ, I'm going to stand on what He says, and regardless of what I used to do, the things I used to love, the things I used to be to think was great, the things I used to do, I all has to come into the evaluation of what I believe now. And that's called repentance. I look at what I've done, I know what I believe, and I turn away from that to follow Christ. It's called the atmosphere that God brings into our lives through salvation, which changes our flesh. It's a work that God is doing in the natural things that are affected by our atmosphere. God wants to do a work in us that will bring us to repentance. Now we have a choice. Again, as I said, we can respond to it or we can reject it. The Pharisees were known for rejecting uh, the presence of God. And when we reject God, we maintain an environment or an atmosphere called rebellion. Matthew 21.32 says this, For John came to you, Jesus' words talking to the Pharisees, John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe. Luke 11.29, Jesus said this, This is a wicked generation. It asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now one greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now one greater than Jonah is here. Jesus is confronting them, saying, hey, look. These people repented from horrible things. They believed and turned away from horrible things at the voice of a man. And now the Son of God is standing before you and you're rejecting the light. You will not move. It's called rebellion. It's a continuing attitude of mankind that turns away from God. But when His light shines in, we're left with a decision. Am I going to respond to Him or am I going to continue in my own path? There is no in-between. Amen? That's why Scripture says we crucify our flesh. That's why it talks about us doing different things. This is why I had to remove myself from certain situations after I got saved. Because I knew if I did the same things with the same people that I would end up in the same condition. Amen? God doesn't want us to retreat from everybody, okay? He doesn't want us to build a little convent of Christians to live in. But if you're not standing for Him, if you're not able to resist temptation in a certain environment, it's time for you to get out of it until you're strong enough to go back in and impact it rather than having it impact you. Amen? 
And that's what God's calling us to. The, the, the atmosphere of the work that He does in our lives. It comes through a spiritual work that affects our flesh. Now, what are the spiritual things that affect atmosphere? The spiritual things that affect atmosphere, i got five of them. Don't cringe and think I'm going to be forever because it won't take very long. Number one, the light enters. He does the initial spiritual work. It's done by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does a work, number one. Ephesians 1 says this, verse 13, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, as I said a minute ago, having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. What that means is, is that the moment the light of Christ shines in, the moment that we realize we need Him, we bow down and say, Lord, forgive me my sins, I'm a sinner, and immediately His Holy Spirit comes inside of us. Now, that doesn't mean immediately you fall on the floor and flop like a fish and speak in tongues and scream and spit. That's called possession, and we'll cast that out of you. Okay? This means a, a supernatural work that takes place in your life. Instantly you're cleansed. Instantly justified before God, regardless of what you've done. Okay? What I'm telling you today is that the Spirit of God does the first work. The Holy Spirit, the regeneration work, is done in our lives. And here's the cool part. It says we're sealed. And I know I've shared this with the church before, but I just want to say it again. Sealed with the Holy Spirit. What that means is, is that a king would have a sign at ring, and when a letter or something, and he made a decision, a judgment, they would put wax on it, and he'd put his signature in it like that, and it was stuck there. And when people would see that, they would know this is the king's. Nobody breaks the seal but the king. Powerful. Secondly, how do we affect our spiritual atmosphere? The Word of God affects our spiritual atmosphere. Atmosphere. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Here's the cool thing. The Spirit of God is within us. We open up the Word of God. We begin to read it. And the Spirit of God becomes active, making it alive. And as we read it, it begins to speak to us. It's not just like reading some novel. Oh, that was cute. Oh, that's funny. It actually speaks to our hearts and we go, wow, I was wrong in that situation. I guess I better go back and make it right. You know, and tell me if that's not a change in atmosphere. If you'd have known me before I was saved, oh yeah, most of you do. If you'd have really known me before I was saved, that's a change in atmosphere. Because I'm not ever wrong. (laughs) You mean i got to go back to them, Lord, and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, I should not have? Do you know how hard that's going to be? you know how hard it was to go to the cross for you? Yes, I'll go do it. But the Word of God is living and active. It separates our motives and everything else we have to do. Everything we say, everything we think. You want to change the atmosphere? Read the Word of God. It will change you in a good way. It will bring a positive light to you because God will shine into the darkness through a supernatural word. Just as God's word spoke to the elements and they moved, His word can speak to us and we move as well. Amen? Thirdly, prayer affects our atmosphere. Prayer does. 1 Thessalonians 5 says this, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Wow, that's nice. Well, we just had some joy before the service. I had to tell Michelle and Chrissy to stop it. Because this is church. Supposed to be dead and quiet, right? No, 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 no. According to the Word of God, we're to be joyful when? Always. Always. These two ladies live up to that. 
Hopefully many of us live up to that. Amen? And right connected with that is pray continually. How often? All the time. As often as you're happy. As often as you're joyful. And then give thanks in all circumstances. Even the bad ones? <laughs> yeah. And we're supposed to pray and be excited about that. It's God's will for us in Christ Jesus. And then Ephesians 6.18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Prayer affects our lives. Prayer affects our atmosphere. We are told to pray for our enemies. We're told to watch and pray so that we will not fall into temptation. We're told to pray for the sick and they will be made well. These are the things that we're called to do. You tell me if you don't know somebody or if you can't recognize somebody that actually prays. It's like somebody that reads the Word. You know somebody when they know the Word of God. It just oozes from them. If somebody that's a prayer, when they get up and pray, wow, that's powerful. And then there's other people, oh Lord, um, I'm afraid to speak in front of people and I'm... Bless this food, amen. It was the offering. It was the offering. You know, that's, people are afraid. Just go ahead and get it out of your system. People don't pray, man. As pastors, they don't pray. They go, oh, go online, find me a nice sermon. That'll be good. I don't know, we'll do that. And they don't even seek God. What is God saying? What is God saying to me as a father for my home? What's, a God, what's God saying to you? Six times, six times in the book of John, Jesus says or alludes to the fact that if you ask the Father for anything in my name, He'll give it to you. Sometimes He says Father. Another time He says ask me. Other times He alludes to it. Listen, church, the reason we don't have things a lot of times, according to Scripture, is because we don't, we don't ask. And Scripture says that we need to ask. We need to ask, seek, and knock. A little acronym, A-S-K. Ask, seek, knock. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be... That's right. It's not rocket science. It's not difficult. And yet we worry and we don't... Oh, the situation's not changing. That situation... Lord, I don't know what to do. How about read your Bible and pray and see if He speaks to you? It works. I'm telling you. He directs my life. He speaks to my heart. Pastor Bob, how did you get to where you are from where you used to be? Atmosphere. There's an atmosphere that God's worked in my life that's sustained life. I need to hurry up because I'm going to go too long. Thirdly. Fourthly. It's fourthly, isn't it? I got the wrong number down. I can't even count right. <laughs> Worship. Worship affects your atmosphere. Second Chronicles 5 says this, The priests then withdrew from the holy place. The temple was done. They put the Ark of the Covenant in there. All the priests who were there had consecrated themselves regardless of their divisions. All the Levites who were musicians, Asaph, Heman, Judathun, and their sons and relatives stood on the east side of the altar dressed in fine linen and playing cymbals, harps, and lyres. They were accompanied by 120 priests sounding trumpets. The trumpeters and singers joined in unison as with one voice to give praise and thanks to the Lord accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. They raised their voices and praise to the Lord and sang, He is good, His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud and the priests could not perform their services because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. This is awesome, church. You say, why? Pastor, Bible, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on a second. I realize that there's been an overemphasis on church music over the last 10 years. 
there's just been way too much about worship. I'm just sick of it. Listen, it affects the atmosphere, folks. It, it's right there in the Scripture. It's all through the Scripture. <sighs> Pastor, that, that worship music is just too loud. Listen, we, we could always bring in 120 trumpeters and cymbals and lyres. It's always been loud, folks! Why? Because we serve a huge, great God. We serve a powerful God. Shouldn't His name be exalted loudly throughout the earth? Praise His name. Why? Because when we praise His name, it does something. It affects the atmosphere. Oh, Paul and Silas in prison, in chains. Keep it down. And if our God is for us, then who could... Oh, look, they fell off. (laughs) No! No, that's not what happened. They sang praise. Everybody heard it. They're like, oh, shut up. It's midnight already. I know when my kids come into my room and it's midnight, I'm like, shut up, go to bed. I'm going to kill you. (laughs) And I guarantee you the other prisoners feel that way until the chains fell off and doors are open. (laughs) Listen, worship changes the atmosphere. Changes the atmosphere. You want a spiritual change in your life? Pastor Bob, there's too much emphasis on worship. Okay, it's too much emphasis. We've, it's our fault. We've done it today in the modern church. There's too much emphasis on worship. I'm sure that's why Moses sang for a whole chapter after the horse and rider were thrown into the sea. And I'm sure that's why uh, Mary, after Elizabeth prophesied over, went into a whole long song too. And I'm sure that's why the largest book in the canon, the Bible, that we have collected for us today is the book of Psalms. I'm sure that we've overemphasized it. Listen, worship the Lord. Worship Him, church. Get in your car and crank up the worship music till everybody looks around and thinks you're crazy. Drive down the road and seek Him. It's going to change the atmosphere. It's going to affect you. It's going to affect you. And it's going to affect those around you as well. I need to hurry up. I'm going too long. Number five. Thank you for those two people. Christian teaching affects our atmosphere, whether it be through sermons, books, whatever, it's going to help encourage a culture of constant growing. Hebrews 10 says this, verses 24 and 25, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Listen, being in this building and worshiping with people or going to another church, whatever, Wherever you go, you need to be around godly people. Tim said that in the video. He said, you don't know what it's like until it's all gone. Then your challenge, then your prayer life, then, uh, then your Bible study. It affects you. Listen, God has made us spirit. He's made us flesh. But He loves for us to coexist. Amen? He wants us to live with each other in this room to sing praise together. There's one thing that will happen in my prayer time. I come in here and I pray and I walk back and forth. I walk all around the church building, pray, whatever. I do that, and, and, and I'll have very intimate worship time with God. He'll speak to my heart. I have Bible study in here. I'll look and do different things through the Word of God, and God will speak to my heart. But there's a totally different experience that takes place when you're in here with a group of people doing it. There's a different impact that it'll have on your life, and both are necessary. Well, Pastor Bob, I don't need to pay some preacher to read the Bible to me. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad you can read. But nobody's asking you to pay me. I just want to worship the Lord with you. Listen, I've seen these people. I, I, I don't want to judge all of them, just most of them that I've come in contact with. 
they don't want to come to church for some reason. Well, but I don't need to go to church. I'm spiritual. I'm leading my family and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I don't, I don't need you, preacher. You're messed up. You're not reading the Word of God. You're supposed to not neglect this. Why? Because it helps you grow. It's an atmosphere thing. The Word of God, reading books, listening to sermons online, listening to sermons on the radio, listening to sermons on TV, coming and listening to, this, listen to me occasionally, whatever it may be, God can work through it for your benefit. Amen. These things, we have, we have the Spirit of God sealing us. We have the Word of God coming into our eyes and our ears. We have uh, prayer. We have worship. And we have the joining together with other saints. Listen, you tell me if you can't come into this building and leave completely unaffected. What's going to happen is, is you're going to love it or you're going to hate it. It's kind of like when Jesus would go places and people loved Him or hated Him. There was no in between. Ah, Jesus, yeah, He's okay. He's kind of cool, yeah. No, you either are in or you're out. And people are going to leave and they're going to be either disgusted, offended, and mad, or they're going to leave and say, wow, God changed my life. Amen. If Amber would come, I'm just going to make my last point because I'm going to start throwing things. <laughs> and I know we already took up the offering, so the money's gone. So <laughs> Don't throw money at me. I keep preaching. You know how preachers are with money, right? Just kidding. Could care less about money. Atmosphere is transportable. This is, this is my last point. Atmosphere is transportable. It, it will go with you. When God designed the earth with atmosphere, it was always made to be moving. Always. <laughs> the earth, listen to this. The earth is shooting through space right now at 67,000 miles per hour. Isn't it a rush? It's a rush, isn't it? Wow. I told him in the first service, this isn't in my notes, but it's still too funny to not tell it. Ruth Beaver at the time was about 87 years old, uh, probably 80, 86, and she had just gotten her a new Ford Taurus. It was a used vehicle, and she come pulling up out here, and she's all excited. She said, you want to see my new car? I said, well, yeah, Ruthie, I'll, I'll go see it. And those of you that know Ruth, she's the Energizer Bunny, man. She never stops. So I, I'm laughing with her. I go out and I look at I check out this car. I said, Ruth, that's a beautiful car. It's going to be perfect for you. She said, I love it. And I'm so happy. And God bless me with it. Whatever. She gets in, puts it in drive and pulls away, away from me. So I see the back of it. On the back window, it said, get her done. <laughs> I was just talking to her about this recently. I said, Ruthie, I wish you'd have left that bumper sticker on that car. It was too awesome. I didn't even know it was there. And I took it off as soon as I found out. Get her done. And then my dad and I were watching the space shuttle go up, and I was sitting outside, sitting at his house having lunch, and, and it was like, you know, it has to reach like 17,000 miles an hour in order to hit orbit, and so it's like 12,000. And like five seconds later, 13,000. I'm going, whoa, 14,000. I said, Dad, you think there's a bumper sticker on the back of that that says, get her done? <laughs> Listen, folks, we're getting her done. 67,000 miles an hour through the earth. Through outer space right now, you and me, all of us. The earth is moving. And even while it's moving, do you know that we're spinning about a thousand miles an hour? Hang on, folks. A thousand miles an hour. The earth is on a tilt of like 23 degrees so that even, even though we're still moving in the way we go around the sun, even the sun looks like it's moving in the sky throughout the different seasons. Everything's moving. This atmosphere that God gave us moves. Moving constantly. Everywhere the earth goes, the atmosphere goes with it. The atmosphere is going to go anywhere you go. Anywhere you go. Everywhere you go. Here's, here's another cool thought. 
For those of you that are discouraged or you think, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't, I don't think I can handle this. I don't think I can take this. Here's a word. Remember I said to you that the earth, the water was separated and was made a bubble and it was made perfect in the beginning. God does everything good, doesn't he? Amen? But because of sin, that water is not there anymore. Because of sin, because man sinned against God and God had to flood the earth and, and Noah built the ark and, and the scripture says that the windows of heaven opened and the, and the fountains of the deep shot up and everything was flooded, that water actually fell in and somebody might say, oh no, Pastor Bob, that, that barrier was holding in the atmosphere. You want to know something cool about our God? That even when it seems impossible, He makes a way whatever you're dealing with, whatever problem, whatever trial, whatever season, whatever thing you're going through, we're going to be talking about seasons here in a couple of weeks, but whatever season you face, whatever struggle you face, whatever trial you face, whatever pain you face, whatever affliction, whatever worry, whatever fear, whatever it seems that's going to be impossible, whatever seems that you're not ever going to overcome or you're never going to make it, I'm going to tell you that God has made an atmosphere that even when there is no way, He's made a way already. He said, you know what? I made you good, mankind. I made you right to begin with and you fell and it seems like it's not going to be right anymore but wait I'm going to make a way for you and his name's Jesus Christ that you will be sustained in life you're not going to be destroyed you're not going to beat down you're not going to be hammered down by this world and by the enemy anymore I'm tired of you worrying and being fearful and fretting I have made a way for you to maintain an atmosphere of life dwell in it live in it powerful God Powerful God, stand with me if you will this morning. Some of us need to understand that we don't need to fear about what we're going to do. What, oh God, my, my, my home, what, what am I going to do about my home, Lord? What am I going to do about my home? God spoke a word to me back in November. He says, Bob, why don't you take authority over the atmosphere of your home? Why don't you establish it? You're the priest of your home. Some of us worry about, about rebellious kids or, or marriage problems or anything else. Change the atmosphere. Allow the Spirit of God and the understanding of the Word and prayer and, and worship change who you are inside the four walls of your home. Kids worry about their school. Oh, my, my school's awful. My school, my school, my school, my school. <laughs> the atmosphere is transferable, it's transportable. Carry it with you. Walk into that school and be a beacon of hope. Parents and grandparents, listen, that, that, that power, that spirit that is within you, that shines in you, that atmosphere is transportable. You don't have to fret and worry about your workplace anymore. Say, oh, things are so awful at my workplace, it's so awful. Make them good. Make them good. Carry that presence with you into every circumstance. When they start speaking hatred towards you, you speak to peace. Let's just lift our hands and just begin to thank Him right now for the presence, for the atmosphere that He's given us. Father God, I just thank You. I thank You for Your presence, God. Come on, lift your voice to Him. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for the atmosphere.